going back to Hobo Man, <laughs> I think what makes me the most mad about Hobo Man is that the hobo part interrupts the robo part, which is the pun. <laughs> mm. So having him be Hobo Man. Instead of like Hobot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 541 with a review of Velvet Buzzsaw. I'm Christopher Shazy. And I'm Morph Vanda Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Uh, this week, as we said, this is a film that is coming to a streaming platform near you, and that is Netflix. Um, so, yeah, we decided that we weren't going to see Miss Bala because uh, it was rocking a sweet 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, yeah. um, we hadn't seen it yet, and the weekend was coming to a close, and we decided for some reason to prioritize Velvet Buzzsaw because I think we're both fans of Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we'll find out in a moment how that worked out. I feel like you tipped your hand with for some reason. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, at the point we were having the conversation, you had already watched it. Mm-hmm. So this is sort of like a, it potentially could have been a reverse, um, the other movie that we'd skipped last week. I don't remember. I don't remember either, but anyways. Polar. Polar, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> um, but yeah, we skipped Polar. We're here to talk about Velvet Buzzsaw. Um, but yeah, before we get started, um, this year, the beginning of this year, we released an episode recapping our top 10 films of last year. And uh, at the end of that episode, which, let's be honest, if you're listening now, you probably haven't got to the end of that episode unless you're a diehard fan. or <laughs> I think it would take listening this whole time to have gotten to the end by now. True, true. Um, but uh, we put out a call to you listeners to let us know your favorite films of the year. And uh, we, we even tried to bribe you by offering you to get a film of your choice from your list uh, gifted to you in some way from some streaming platform of choice that would allow us to purchase that for you. Um, and we also asked you to give us a... Uh, a, a a list of film uh, to list a film for us that we did not review over the co- course of the year that you would love to hear our thoughts on. Um, very few of you answered the call. <laughs> hey, now you're not supposed to reveal that. Of all the people who answered the call, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, let's let we don't have to say what that number is. Let's just say it, it was not as high as we would like. It might be the exact amount of people who listened to that full review. Yeah. Um, it wasn't greater than 71, I'll just say that. <laughs> um, but very few of you did. And uh, so from the people that did write in, uh, we have selected one winner. <laughs> that winner is Cayman, who is a long-time listener of the show. Um, you were uh, nice enough to fill out this, this thing right into us. You requested that we review the film By Bust, um, right? By Bust is the name of the film? I believe so. Yes. Uh, and we are going to figure out a time to slot in a review of that uh, we also had another listener who i think i think the family and friends rules of all contests for all companies uh disqualifies you <laughs> from from winning but um julius wrote in and he wants us to review uh border mm-hmm. so we'll try to find a time to slot that in um, we'll get in touch with you came in to see if we can figure out how to gift you one of the films from your list um but uh yeah so we're, we're gonna call that little contest giveaway thing to a close yeah. uh, i think by the way Cayman will be the only listener who has gotten two episode requests fulfilled 
That is true. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was a fun experiment. I guess. I guess the thing that we learned is that uh, if you're gonna do some sort of thing, don't do it on a three and a half hour episode. <laughs> it, it, it's kind of like. You know, on MySpace or Facebook or whatever, you would get those things to find out if anyone has a crush on you, and you yeah. go through all that work and put it out. <laughs> and then you find out only a few people have a crush on you. <laughs> Thank you of, for being one of those few people. Yeah, and one of them's your mom. <laughs> uh, that was not supposed to be your mom joke. That was supposed to be a, you're so sad that your mother, like, found out that this thing was going on and also sent you one secretly from right. herself, but called it a secret admirer. Um could have been weird. Woo. Woo. Uh, Close one. <laughs> um, but anyways, we are here to talk about Velvet Buzzsaw. Um, I mean, we, we like to start some of these episode, uh, episodes off with a little question. So, Stephen Miller, my question for you is, what are art? <laughs> what are art? Um, um, no, no but, but more seriously, um, what is it that you kind of seek out and like about uh, certain artists? Is, is there something that – do you need, like, the passion that is behind the art that they're making? Or do you want something that's just visually interesting? Like, how does art speak to you and what do you look for in an artist that you, that's yeah. cool? I'll let you expand it to being music or right. stuff on a wall or whatever. Because I was going to say it could be anything. It's easiest to talk about film, I guess, because we've spent a lot of time doing that. Yeah. So film as an example, at least – there are a few different things I look for. One, heart, right? I love heart. If I feel some thematic resonance to what the creator is trying to say, that can be a way of latching onto it. Sometimes there are films that I have no idea what they're trying to say, but there's so much visually dazzling, dazzling material. <laughs> dazzing. <laughs> What's the word word that he uses when he's talking about? It's like, it's not majestic. It's like something else, right? (laughs) Mesmeric. But they're, so sometimes it can just be visually dazzling. It can be something that I've never seen before. If it makes me feel a thing, that usually goes a long way. Uh, Technical skill, sometimes, but usually not so much, which is why (laughs) movies, especially that are primarily making fun of like modern art and you know the lack of skill quote involved in modern art i i I usually get it but i don't really feel that because i i love modern art like if, if i extend to paintings usually my favorite museum to go to would be a relatively modern art museum where people are just doing like striking things with the canvas and they're taking risks and usually you can tell like what they're trying to communicate because it isn't just a you know painting of a family smiling or whatever yeah. it's a something more substantial but i'm all over the place basically i heart is the big one but i can be won over by many different things yeah i mean i, I think i think what for me when it comes to film like obviously i want creativity in the story and weaving things together in a way that builds a world that i want to play in or that it intrigues it stimulates tickles my brain mm-hmm. um for the visual side of things in film I care a little less about, but sometimes something will captivate me with its visuals. Uh, when it comes to regular art, I kind of don't care about what's beneath what I'm looking at. I really just care about, does this, when I look at it, do I go like, oh, that's that's fucking rad. Mm. Um, like, I, I love M.C. Escher um, because I love the mathematics in what he does and just the fact that he's doing things that don't exist in real life. I was going to guess, like, the mathematics and geometry would play a role. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, that, like, so when it comes to, like, physical art or things in the world i like things that are tricks of the eye or play with our expectations of the world um but i'm not a huge proponent of 
you need to explain where something came from, I think art for art's sake is a cool thing. Um, I have a visual and performing arts degree. <laughs> and one of the things I hated in school was having to justify the art that you did make as being something other than a an idea for something that you thought looked cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, this is a film that, that uh, critiques art in a way and talks about the critiquing of art process. And there was, there was two students in one of my classes who one of their projects they did one year for a gallery installation is they had a mini gallery within the gallery and they had people who were visiting the gallery come in and draw on canvases and then they would take those canvases off, hang them on the wall and sign their names to them. And that was their commentary on art. And I was like, I'll allow it. Hmm. It was pretty good. I mean, I'm definitely someone who, when I was younger, like maybe early undergrad, I went to SF MoMA and I saw like the modern art gallery, the I should say contemporary art gallery, like the like newer things. Yeah. And at the time, I was one of those people who just laughed at it, right? Like there's one where a guy's just putting string on the wall in different ways and one where they're all... <laughs> you mean he's psychotic and he has a murder board? Yeah, one where there's all uh, like just solid color canvases which like, with like mild changes in the gradient of the color and at the time i was like this is bullshit why are we looking at this (laughs) and now i swear to god like often that is what grabs me the most is i'll see something and i'm just like i like that and i don't know why but i like it i I will say though with with just like palettes of color um before i had like paper man as a thing that cascades along my computers and monitors and stuff um apple's little uh sliding tiles screensaver i used to put images in there that were just various shades of gray so that there were just various shades of gray boxes just sliding around on my monitor as a visual thing and so i i actually appreciate plain color palettes being arranged in a non-pattern yeah (laughs) but anyways we're not here to talk about our love of art Mm. we are here to talk about maybe not the love of a velvet bus song (laughs) Um, So let's go ahead and take a listen to the trailer for Velvet Buzzsaw, and then we're going to come back and give you a review. Critique is so limiting and emotionally draining. I'm hoping you find something to explain what's happening. Which one's better? One or two? Better or worse, no different. No different. I'm quite curious to know what you think. I think sober hasn't been good for him. Pierce was in the full bloom of alcoholism here. Exactly. Never should have quit drinking. No originality. No courage. My opinion. I can't save you. I found something. Who did these? They're mesmeric. A guy upstairs, he died. And you just took them? He had my family or friends. I can make you rich. Brilliant. The man has people ready to kill. Have you ever heard of an artist named Ventral Deeds? No, not in our records, and we have everyone. The artist used blood to create the reddish blocks. You ever notice anything about this painting? You look at it long enough, it moves. As I research Deeds, I'm starting to think there's a disgust for the world of money. I spent decades in a psychiatric hospital for the criminally insane. There is some sort of power. Some spirit. It's connected to his art. (gasps) 
something truly goddamn strange is going on! This is a slaughterhouse. Are you aware that Dee's asked that all his art be destroyed? Help! Get rid of it. Box it off. I can't save you. People thought she was part of an exhibit. We're trending on Instagram. It's a major hit. All right, so that was the trailer for Velvet Buzzsaw. Um, it is the story of a group of people who some of them are art critics, some of them are art uh, collectors, some of them are art get for other people who want to collect, uh, various people around the art mm-hmm. world. And uh, they stumble on to the paintings of this man who has died, whose last name is Dees. And, uh, <laughs> First name, Nuts. Yeah. Is it Virgil Dees? Uh, something with a V. Yeah, I don't... I, I don't remember. It's like, I should know this stuff. It's like we had time to prepare and everything. Um, but anyways, um, uh, the paintings of Dee's, everybody is seeking after them and wants them, and they're all trying to fight over them and figure out who they can sell them to. Meanwhile, very, very strange things are happening to anybody who is involved monetarily in the sale of Dee's paintings. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, we are watching a film that tries to figure out what the hell's going on and also critique the art world, or at least modern art and all that jazz. So, Stephen Miller, what did you think of this film? First of all, it was Vetril D's. Vetril D's. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did I think of this film? Let's see. So, this movie is clearly trying to... It's doing a few things. It wants to satirize art and, like, the pompous high art world, at least satirize art criticism and the way that it has turned into commerce and it also wants to be kind of a genrefied horror movie where things go terribly wrong in a way that's going to be amusing and hopefully final destination style deaths will happen in a like entertaining way right <laughs> it's like trying to do both of those things at once yeah and i i think it had a lot going in to recommend it like it has a phenomenal cast like just look at the lineup of people in that movie like yeah you've got Jake Gyllenhaal and Rene Russo again after Nightcrawler. You've got John Malkovich, uh, Davi Diggs. Uh, it's just like, it, it seemed like it could do no wrong. Like, at the very least, it should be very entertaining and well-acted. And I think it is well-acted, I guess, given that I have no idea what the characters were supposed to be. I, I don't really know what directive anyone got. Um, but I think it falls flat on both of the aims that it has. I think... As a satire of art, it's very, very shallow and obvious. Um, like, there's literally a moment in the movie where John Malkovich is, like, walking a new art agent, I guess he is, next to a garbage bag. And you look at that and you think, like, don't make the don't yeah. make him think the garbage is art. And the guy says, oh, the garbage is art. And that, that's, like, you know, every person who has ever made fun of modern art has made things, said things like that. It's yeah. like one but, step away from your dad saying rap, more like crap. It's like, <laughs> it's just not biting satire of anything. And Art School Confidential did it better anyway with John Malkovich painting gray triangles and thinking that was his art for like 30 years. Um, so I, I think like the art thing, it just wasn't, it wasn't saying a lot. Like characters who kind of sell their soul, like, Tony Collette, like, turning art into commerce. It's all very 
obvious and on the surface and not really plumbing the depths of anything. And as a thriller, like as a horror movie, I just feel like they skipped the part where anything interesting happens. Like I, I talked to you before about how this movie is about two hours long and I don't understand thinking back how it even filled an hour. Like yeah. I don't remember anything happening. Um, there's plenty of good enough, like amusing scenes with Jake Gyllenhaal being his quirky self as Morph Vanda Walt. Yeah. Um, First of all, the, the, the naming in this film is yeah. the most god awful. Like every character is a ridiculous name. It, it's very like postmodern novel, like pinch on type thing where everyone gets like this ridiculous name that is proving how smart the person who made it is. John Malkovich is John Don Don. Rene yeah. Russo's Redora Hayes. It, if it were, like, doing a thing that I liked, I would be fine with that as a quirk. But since I don't like it, now I'm like, what a smarmy asshole. He's imitating all this other shit. <laughs> so that's kind of not fair. Um, but, yeah, the, the naming is really dumb. I think, like, actors have fun with their super juicy roles. I'm just not in on the joke. Like, I don't find it that funny to see them act that way. Yeah. And, the, like, the deaths are just not that good like as a final destination movie i think it falls really flat it's very hokey again you can see it coming from a mile away like you know every item that is going to eventually be the thing that causes the demise and i also think it's a movie where literally everything was given away in the trailer like every potential cool scene things that happen like five minutes before the end of the movie made it into the trailer yeah yeah so it it just felt like i don't really know what dan gilroy was up to i don't know what he thought he was making but to me, it fell flat, and it seemed like a waste of time and a waste of like a very, very good cast that could have been making literally anything more compelling than this. And, and it's weird, too, because with Netflix's business model, the fact that they don't give away the numbers and there isn't a monetary ticket price associated with every single stream on their platform, I don't know. I, I, I could understand in a world where ticket buying was the, the thing that sold whether or not you did well with your film – that they would want to put all those things in the trailer to trick the people who aren't coming for the follow-up to Nightcrawler to see that film. They want the other viewers to want to also watch Velvet Buzzsaw. Mm-hmm. But you're not getting anything for that, right? Like, yeah. like there, there's no – like, I don't think anybody is, was going to sign up for Netflix for the first time to watch this. It's just so, – so, like, once again, I just don't understand – why you would put that in the trailer if those are all your money shots from your two-hour movie. Right. <laughs> um, but in general, so my, my thoughts about the film, I, I will say that, like, I found it funnier than you. Like, I I, I, I I thought there were moments that were funny. Like, it made me chuckle. Um, it didn't make me chuckle necessarily in a good way. Um, but it was one of those things where, like, I was like, oh, there are some weird choices being made here. And then, like, I would just laugh at Jake Gyllenhaal and his reaction to things. He and, was funny. Like, I, yeah. I'm happy to see him, like, just act all huffity. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, like, every moment he's on screen, I'm sort of enjoying the film. The rest of it, I could leave it. <laughs> um, I think that uh, Dee's art is actually really rad. Um, I would put that on my wall, right? I, other than my... Sub- start to smell after a little yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other than the fact that my subconscious now associates it with death. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might get creeped out by, by it eventually. But I really thought the art was rad. And, and I like not necessarily the art in the whole film, but I think that the art that that character... You can't even really call him a character because he's dead before he's introduced. Mm-hmm. But um, the art was really, really interesting. And it is nice at least to see a film where when people are talking about art being cool, I can see why it's cool. 
I don't see why somebody would sit and stare at it for hours and think that it's like God's gift to the planet, but I would see why somebody would want to buy it. And if it was a new thing that just came out and suddenly this new guy crops up and you can buy a bunch of this stuff, I could see why if I had a ton of extra cash, I would want some of these floating around. Mm. Um, so I, I give it credit for at least that. Um, <laughs> uh, my my positive statements about the film sort of end there. <laughs> like, I think that was, like, the film has some fun moments, and I like the art that is being created that's setting everything in motion. But I think that this film, as a whole, doesn't have a lot to say about the art world, as you've said. Um, it Like, the basic thesis of the film is that capitalism is ruining the art world because art isn't being made to have somebody put inspiration down on canvas. It is being made so that people can commoditize it and sell things and trade it amongst themselves. And this film is about like, what if everybody who disrespects art could be murdered? (laughs) And I think that's kind of the idea of this, right? It's like, you guys are ruining art. Let me ruin you. Um, but it also sort of shifts away from that. <laughs> like, the like the character is starting to realize that, hey, or, or Jake Gyllenhaal's character is starting to morph, uh, is starting to realize that, like, hey, maybe we shouldn't be trying to sell this guy's art because he was super fucking crazy and weird shit is happening and blah, 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 blah. But then it starts to expand out from people who are profiting off the art to anybody who has, like, looked at the art once or mm-hmm. took it into their possession. Like, I would understand if this is a Kurt, like, this person... Um, when they were alive, was tormented by a thing, created a thing as an outlet for that, and then in their final moments of life wanted all those things destroyed because they didn't want them to spill over into the rest of the... Like, there, there are interesting concepts here, but what the film does with it is take those, concept, uh, those concepts and then split off into other things that just dilute the concept down. And, like, it'd be really... like. I would really, really be interested in a film, like, this film being remade, but about music, and about, like, a tortured soul writing music, and people who listen to that going crazy because of, like, absorbing the depression of the artist. Like, you could do something really, really interesting that's, like, this person made a work for themselves, they died, somebody found it, commoditized it, and everybody who listens to it gets like super depressed the (laughs) ringtone like like, like, yeah yeah. like that that kind of thing could be very very interesting to like carry forth the the torment of the artist into the people who consume the content but making it this thing where it's like we're talking about how people who buy art ruin the essence of what art is and then mix it to like anybody like it just it felt like they didn't have a consistent narrative that they wanted like it wasn't a specific critique they were doing they were just trying to critique things and it just, it becomes messy and it becomes not that exciting. And then you wonder why certain people don't die (laughs) and certain people do die. And it just, it becomes a thing that you can't really understand why. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, I think again, that goes back to it being, I think a shallow message is the wrong word. It's just like a a shallow satire to me because it, the, the message of it seems to be people commodify art, people cheapen it. But then at the same time, what it's making fun of is the way they put it on a pedestal, the way that they hype some things and don't hype others. And then it's also making fun of the idea that they would obsess over one person simply because he's gone and now it's more scarce. And it it just feels scattershot. Like, I don't really know what it is angry at. Because people who look at the art do seem to genuinely love it, right? And the, the crime that Josefina commits when she finds the art and then starts selling it is 
min- pretty minimal, right? Like she's making profit off of it, which I guess is bad, but she's exposing it to the world and people are praising it. It isn't like she's saying I made this or anything. Yeah. yeah. Like they're they're giving credit to the author and I just don't I don't understand what he's so angry at. Like like I understand what what who, she, what who's angry at? The director. Oh, okay, gotcha. Like yeah. I don't understand beyond the vague idea that critics suck and everything is a commodity now and everything is cheapened by hype. Like, like, I don't know, lines of quote satire in this movie are at, at one point a character looks at their phone and goes, we're spiking in moments on Instagram right now. And it's just like, <laughs> who are you? Like, are you like Louis CK 10 years ago? Like ranting about the kids? Like, I, I don't know. It just, it rubbed me the wrong way. It just felt like it, it's also, there's something about the subtext of like a guy who creates films trying to go after critics and pretentious snobs and the idea that people would, like, be uppity about stuff that feels like, I don't know, it's been done before and it usually comes from a place that is kind of, like, get over it. (laughs) But but he also, um, it, it, he also is diluting that down too because the context of like the one person who is like the the theoretical moral authority on critiquing art um Mm -hmm. who's only true to what the art is in the middle of the film goes against all of that and writes review just to sink somebody that like his girlfriend dated right like that that sort of behavior just throws away the fact that any critic can cannot be biased or purposefully write something that is untrue like Mm -hmm. you want to believe that the critic um you want to believe that we are speaking an opinion that we believe that we don't just hate some movie and be like well we're gonna really sink velvet buzzsaw because like we hate this person like that's dan gilroy's wife actually told me to give this a (laughs) negative review on the podcast (laughs) but yeah like I, i just it's it's just weird to me that it's trying to do do anything at all but i yeah i don't know yeah i I don't know. Like, like it, it's a movie where I literally just don't remember much of what happened, and that's how I felt while I was watching it. Like, it, it was never aggravating me. I know I'm a broken record. I say this about all sorts of things. I was never like, oh, I hate this, or I wish I could leave or turn it off, like, because they, the cast is good enough that it was fun watching them talk to each other, and, like, everyone's hamming it up, and I usually have a good time with that. But I, I feel like if you take out Jake Gyllenhaal saying, you know, witty, pretentious things to people. Oh, you have no movie at all. Yeah, you have no movie. Like, all you're, <laughs> all you're really left with is, like, a love cube or something that doesn't really go anywhere. <laughs> it's only a love cube if you stick your arm in it and you're thinking That's of true. an orifice. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, you're, you're basically just left with that and then a handful of deaths that are not that visually striking and it's just kind of weird see there's so many more things i got this this is where i get to the point where i just like list off other ideas they could have done which aren't even original but like it could have been a thing where every painting that's taken or stolen or owned by a person they die in the way that the painting like portrays or something like that or like what if it was like some weird horcrux situation where like this guy was dying and he was painting himself into all his paintings and the painting kills whoever buys the painting and then he takes some of the life force from all the people who owned his paintings and died and then reincarnates himself. Like, I don't know. You could do like any sort of stupid thing and it would be more interesting than just people randomly dying in random ways because they touched a D's. (laughs) I I should mention Dan Gilroy is married to Rene Russo. So she didn't actually tell me to criticize the movie. (laughs) That would have not been in her best interest. Nice. Um, but yeah, um, 
Any last things you'd like to talk about in this film? Also, also, what is Hobo Man? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Like, because that's a thing that not even a spoiler because it's in the trailer. Also, will like recur in the movie, and I don't know what it stands for. Like, as an art installation, it is a homeless businessman who is also a robot. Mm-hmm. So, a robot needs not a home or a job or anything to survive. I feel like this is a weird poem that you're halfway through. (laughs) But like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand. Like, he's a robot. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't need the things that would cause a normal human being to become homeless in the first place. So so what is the point? I don't know. I'm I'm fine with that being zany, right? Like, maybe there is no point to it. But the the fact that it recurs... I can't save you. It's just... I don't know. I, I wanted more John Malkovich... I, I always like him being, you know, like burning after reading John Malkovich or Art School Confidential John Malkovich, just like the the pompous guy who's obviously like losing touch a little bit. Yeah. I, I like that. So um, I, I, I actually, I, I kind of like his character um, yeah. because he's the only character who's not in this movie. He is a real person who is struggling, who has all these people who are looking. He, he's sort of the equivalent of like the guy who wrote the first book. And did really, really well. And he got a crazy advance to write a second book. And he hasn't even written the title page for the book. Yeah. He's sort of like that guy. He is just, he has lost all inspiration. He is sick of, he, he's tired of everything as well. Um, and all these people are waiting for him to create the next masterpiece. And he's like, I don't even have like a, literally, I just shoot basketballs mm-hmm. <laughs> all day long in my empty warehouse. <laughs> because I have nothing better to do. And maybe I'll take up drinking again. Like, I liked him as a character. And he gets a nice little thing at the end of the film, mm-hmm. which I, I thought was a nice touching little thing. Um, but, like, yeah, I did, I just, more of him could have improved the film. I, I I also liked Davi Diggs's character, though he also doesn't get a whole lot to do in the movie. But he... He kind of seems like a semi-moral authority also. Like, he seems like a real person who is adjacent to the film, but is never, like, one of the people who is committing an atrocity against art or anything. But but it's weird, though, too, because he he essentially is another up-and-comer, um, but he's alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he kind of gains an obsession for this art, too. He definitely is drawn in by it. And it almost feels like at some point he's like, I don't want to do my i don't want to show my art because i've seen this art yeah maybe i don't know if i'm misinterpreting that but like it it definitely felt like he should have been in danger more than he was right Mm -hmm. because he was being pulled in by the art itself um so i just don't understand like i don't see him as this like moral removed from this art world because he was he just didn't want to waste money on d's right yeah (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I could go into, I don't know what the name Velvet Buzzsaw means, even though it's going to, like, recur in <laughs> interesting-ish ways by the end. Like, it seems like it's supposed to mean something, but it, it doesn't, I don't get that either. I mean, we're told what it, what it's, where it stems from, but, like, it, we don't know what that fake explanation mm-hmm. originated as before that, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Should we get to verdicts then, Stephen? Sure. All right. Stephen Miller, if you're going to give the same must-see record with a caveat, wait for until pass with a caveat or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I don't know. Pass with a caveat. I like. I don't hate it. I just don't think it's really worth 
seeing yeah. the cast elevates it from a must avoid. And I like I'm still interested in seeing whatever Dan Gilroy does next. Like this doesn't like ruin him for me or anything. It just feels like a a very Netflix movie, like a thing that you make that would not be enjoyed on the big screen at all. And yeah. you just kind of let it fizzle out there and maybe someone will get a few laughs out of it. But if you've seen the trailer, I feel like you've seen like a better version of this movie than <laughs> the one that you spend two hours watching. Um, yeah. Um, going back to Hobo Man, <laughs> <laughs> I think what makes me the most mad about Hobo Man is that the hobo part interrupts the robo part, which is the pun. <laughs> mm. So having him be hobo man. Instead of like hobot? <laughs> yeah, like ho- <laughs> yeah, ho- hobo bot. Or like ro- uh, yeah, <laughs> robo homeless man. <laughs> like I just, it, it bugs me on like a level of just where you're going with hobo man. Um, but anyways. Must see. <laughs> Hoborg. <laughs> Right? Sure. <laughs> I'll watch that movie. <laughs> then he becomes a he becomes a chef. That can mm-hmm. be <laughs> Schmorgensborg. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um anyways. Um <clears throat> my review. Um so we, like Netflix things inherently break the review system because there's always like a past like we have wait for rental. So a film that is like not bad, like this film might have turned out to be a pass with a caveat. Caveat is if you're curious, wait till it comes out for rental and see it. I don't think there's even value in watching this film. Um, if this was a film that had a monetary value attached to it and we wanted to support these, this filmmaker and uh, these actors and actresses, Sure, but we literally cannot throw money at this film, <laughs> which takes away from the generosity of giving it a higher rating. So I'm going to give this a must avoid <laughs> because I this is one of those films like it ended. I'm like, whew, um, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do a review of this. So <laughs> at least it wasn't polar. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm because it is Netflix only. I'm gonna give it a bump down instead of a bump up and give it a must avoid. Cool. So, Stephen Miller, <laughs> if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? I'm honestly using like 80% of my brain thinking of something better than Hoborg. <laughs> uh, if people want to find me, they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thesporthewarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash warning or like us at facebook.com slash warning. Um, if you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can uh, send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will technically be coming from the soundtrack to this film. Um, I couldn't find like the official soundtrack, but I found the official list of tracks that are on the soundtrack. So this is a song from that. It's in the trailer, so it counts. Um, mm. So that's playing right now. So hopefully you're enjoying that. And uh, yes, next, next week we will be back for a review of... Uh, the Lego movie, the second part, yeah. whatever it's called. <laughs> I'm in. Um, so we'll be talking about that. Hopefully everything will be awesome. Um, we do not know. We have not seen it yet. But uh, we neither we... confirm nor deny. 
hasn't leaked. We will be seeing it though, so hopefully we enjoy that and we'll be able to talk to you uh, in an episode that you will enjoy as well. What I do know is everything is cool when you're part of a team, so yeah. as long as we review it together, yeah. that's all I need. It, it will be cool, but it might not be awesome. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take off. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.